Today's gospel is from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place I am going. Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really have known me, you also know that I am the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus replied, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been with you all this time, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is me? The words I have spoken to you, I don't just speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Trust me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on account of the works themselves. I assure you that whoever believes in me and the works that I do, they will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. sit with you today. <laughs> you know, I, I used to sit where you're sitting, not necessarily in this church, but as we shared before when you were rehearsing, I used to be a member of the Drew University Chorale, and I have immensely fond memories 
of singing and touring together um, and, and going to different places and singing. So thank you for singing here at the Chatham United Methodist Church. It is really good to have you making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And um, I wish that every Sunday morning after the gospel is read, you all could just sing, ain't it that good news? <laughs> Indeed it is. Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? You are. <laughs> Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? You are. <laughs> beloved sons, beloved daughters. I wish when I was in college, I knew that at a heart level. It would have saved me all sorts of angst. It would have saved me all sorts of fears if I had known at my core that no matter what I said or done, or no matter what my major was, or no matter how popular or unpopular I was, I knew I was the beloved of God. By grace, that's a churchy word for just because God loves us. And we can't do anything about it other than say, thank you. Wow. Sometimes we can't even hear that we're the beloved of God because we're so afraid. And, and, and our, our, our ears just don't pick it up because we don't believe it. The voices in our world or the voices in our head say, yeah, no, because God couldn't possibly just love us unconditionally. God does. But our fears sometimes get in our way. We're all afraid of something. This is another thing I wish I had known when I was in college that adults are also afraid. Sometimes we think of our professors and our adults as having it all figured out. Can we, can we just give them a head start? How many adults here have it all figured out? Just raise your hand. Okay, look at that. We don't, we don't have it all figured out. So you're all right. But our, our, our fears sometimes are that well, our fears fit into some of these major categories. There won't be enough love. We're afraid of not having enough love in our lives. Or we're not... We're afraid of not having enough health, good health, in our lives. And we live with those fears. Some of the fears we live with is there won't be enough money to pay off our student loans, or to pay off our debts, whatever they are, or to raise kids, and there just won't be enough money. We, we have a, a scarcity mindset. Sometimes we're afraid of not having enough meaning in our lives. We've got our job, we've got our money, but we're not content because we're missing something. I think one of the hopes of trying to follow Jesus is to move from a model of scarcity to a model of abundance where there's radically enough. But our fears, you know, some people now in, in our country are afraid of losing institutions that have cared not only for them, but cared for the marginalized, cared for the vulnerable, cared for what we churchy folks refer to as the least of these. Jesus said, when you've cared for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've cared for me. 
we are afraid that the church, the institutions, the denomination may not last. We're afraid that our government as we know it may not last. We are afraid that checks and balances that we depended on may not last. We're afraid of certain institutions that cared for the common good of all people may not last. When we are afraid, something happens in our soul that is not helpful for us or our relationships or our world. When we are afraid, our worldview narrows. When we are perpetually afraid, we can no longer see ten options, ten possibilities. We only see one. When we are afraid, we see everybody and everything as a threat or an enemy, and we start hunkering down into a defensive posture. When we are afraid, we start getting tribal. Do you know what I mean by tribal? Are there still tribes on Drew University's campus? The theater people? <laughs> the rugby people? Tribes that kind of help define us and give us some sense of comfort. When we're afraid, we get lost in a tribal mentality and we circle the wagons. We get defensive. Sometimes we get aggressive. When we're afraid, sometimes our fear comes out in anger. When we are afraid and perpetually afraid, the risk is that we become mean or mean-spirited. And I don't think God wants anyone to get stuck there. I think Christ came to be this love incarnate that says, don't be afraid, because that, the beginning of fear, is what gets us ultimately into trouble. This week I was visiting a member of our church, Bob. Bob Stannard. He's at Chatham Hills. You're singing at Chatham Hills in a few hours, is that right? Jason, I'm so glad you're taking them to Chatham Hills. That's wonderful. Some people may, um, in their soul, wake up when they hear you singing. Something spiritual may happen when you sing there, and you may see someone lift their head for the first time in weeks just because you're singing. Bob uh, was hospitalized for a while. Bob was a faithful, is a faithful member of our church. He's beginning to forget things, which happens to us. At the end of our time of conversation and visit, I said, Bob, do you have any scripture that you would like me to read? And he said, no, Jeff, why don't you just pick a, a scripture? So I took out my iPhone and I went to the app that has the lectionary texts for the week. And I read the lectionary text that Kate 
just read, I started, do not let your hearts be troubled. And Bob said, before I could get it out, and do not let them be afraid. Bob had that scripture at his fingertips because his whole life he was steeped in the Christian faith, steeped in the scriptures, steeped in a sense that God was with him. He may forget other things, but something in Bob had him know that scripture and perhaps say it. Maybe that was a gift to me, or maybe it was a gift to him. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to them, said to Jesus, how do we know the place where you, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now the fact that Jesus said those three words says that's important to God. The way is important. Not just the ends, but the means to the ends are important. And for people of faith, we need to be encouraged to know that whatever the outcome, let's follow the way with compassion. Let's follow the way as Jesus did. Loving all people, full stop. Jesus seems to like truth. We are struggling as a country now as to what is truth. Jesus seems to value that. Jesus also seems to value life. In last week's scripture, Jesus in the Gospel of John says, I came to give you life and give it with abundance. God wants us to live our lives with abundance so much that we can't help but share it with others. Now, I know that sometimes that scripture has been used to get tribal and to exclude. I, I grew up in a Methodist church and learned that passage in Sunday school, and I always thought, well, that means that those who believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, they're the only ones that are in the acceptable crowd. Everybody else is out. For the last 20 years, I've been going to an ecumenical monastic community in Tizay, France. Young people by the hundreds of thousands about your age go there. And uh, I've taken some groups of seminarians from Drew over the last few years to Tizay, France. And we've taken some youth from our congregation. We'll probably be taking another group of youth next summer. Please, congregation, pray about this. I don't know if this is the will of God, but I'm, I'm, I'm 
unable to get out of my mind the idea of an intergenerational delegation to Teze. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't even know if we're permitted to do that because the brothers are saying only kids age 15 to 29, that young adults and youth are the ones that we're really inviting. I was sitting in a Bible study with one of the brothers, and there were probably a hundred people there. The Bible studies were the, the brother would speak in English, then in German, then in French, then in Russian, and then in this group of a hundred or two hundred people, there were translators that would translate it back to various groups of those other language groups. The week we were there two years ago, there were about 60 language groups represented at Teze that week. Youth from 60 different language groups. So it's like the Pentecost. These stories are translated and translated. The good news is translated. A young woman, I think she was from Denmark, said, challenged one of the brothers and said, I don't, I don't uh, like really the way you're interpreting that passage from John because it's really about forming a small group of people who are in the acceptable tribe called Christianity. And he said, notice that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He did not say, no one comes to God but by me. He said, no one comes to the Father but by me. Everybody has access to God. But if you want to know God as Abba, as Daddy, as a father who loves his children, then Jesus is the way. Ain't it that good news? If it's not good news for everybody, it's not good news. Jesus is saying to the church, the early church and to us, God wants to be in relationship and wants us all to be in the flow of love, not just Christians. God's hope is that Jesus can be accessible to everyone. But for the last 2,000 years, we Christians have kind of made Jesus inaccessible and said, he's just ours. And unless you believe certain creeds, you really have no access to him. The gospel writer of John has, has good news that says, if you want to know this mystery that we call God as a loving dad, as a loving parent, And keep seeking Jesus out. And you won't be let down. Ain't that good news? Ain't that good news? Ain't that good news? May God bless us all. Amen.